Continuing with Bulugh al-Maram, al-Hafid ibn Hajar, we now reach the chapter Bab al-Mashu ala al-Khuffayn, the chapter concerning wiping over the socks. The chapter concerning the wiping over the socks. In this chapter now, the Hafid, he mentions the hadith of al-Mughirat ibn Shu'ba radiyallahu anhu qal, كنت مع النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فتوضأ فأهويت لأنزع خفيه فقال دعهما فإني أدخلتهما طاهرتين فمسح عليهما متفق عليه Hadith of Al-Mughira ibn Shu'ba رضي الله عنه where he says that I was with the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم and he began to make wudu so I bent down in order to remove his khuf the leather socks that he was wearing so he said, Da'huma, leave them, because indeed I put them on in a state of purity. I, I put the two socks on to my feet in a state of purity, i.e. my feet had been washed when I put them on, on a state of wudu. So instead he just wiped over them. Instead he just wiped over them. Hadith is in Bukhari and Muslim. Then also in the Sunan, except for an Nisa'i, there's this hadith where it says that the Prophet ﷺ wiped on the top of his socks and also on the bottom. But the hadith is weak, which we'll come to. So now, <coughs> the chapter concerning, and we'll come to the hadith now in detail, but the chapter concerning the wiping over the socks, the wiping over the leather socks or other material that covers the area of the foot, whether it is the socks or uh, leather socks or otherwise. The reason why the Hafiz put this particular chapter here is because we've just been speaking about wudu. We've just been speaking about the different aspects of wudu and how to make wudu. And a part of that is obviously the washing of the feet. And a part of that linked to the issue of washing the feet is the wearing of the socks and wiping over them. That's a part of the wudu that is allowed also. So that's why Al-Hafid ibn Hajar, he mentions that directly after the wudu so that it's connected. That's because if an individual was wearing some socks, wearing some leather socks, wearing some material over his feet, then it's possible it may be difficult or it takes effort to continuously keep removing them and putting them back on again. So in this instance, when there is something that is covering the feet in that way, then it is permissible to wipe over that rather than having to take it off and wash the feet. So really you have two circumstances. A person comes to make wudu, and when he's going to make wudu, either he's wearing something upon his feet or he's not. If he's wearing something upon his feet upon a previous state of wudu, then he's able to wash over that and uh, wipe over that. And if he's not wearing anything... Then in that case, he must wash the feet as we already mentioned. And wiping in the Arabic language, al-mash, wiping means to, wiping as it is understood, to roll the hand over a particular area, to wipe the hand over a particular area. That's what wiping is. And Islamically, wiping is to have some wetness and then wipe that over that specific area in a specific way. There's that specific area of the foot from the toes upwards up until you reach the ankles and the shin to wipe over that area. That is what we talk about when we say the wiping over the feet. The rule to be recognized here is that wiping over the feet, they call it in fiqh or in usul al-fiqh, that this is a rukhsa. Rukhsa meaning that it's a license or a permission. Meaning that the original ruling... The original ruling is that you should wash your feet. That is the original ruling. However, here we have a ruling which is in opposition to that. Meaning that now it says if you're wearing something over your feet, covering your feet, then you don't have to wash your feet. You can just wipe over the socks. So this is like an exception that goes outside of that original ruling. That's known as a rukhsa. Rukhsa means ease and facilitation ease and facilitation and the reason why these types of 
ease and facilitations have been uh, legislated in the uh, religion is for the purpose of ease, is for the purpose of making things easy upon the people, for the purpose of removing any difficulty, for the purpose of removing any burden. And it is something which is beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that a person takes the ease when it's given to him. So it is actually better to take the ease when you've been given that ease. So here in the instance of wiping over, then it is better to wipe over than to remove and wash. If you're in that state of purity of being upon wudu, etc., as we'll explain, then it is better to take the ease and the facilitation that Allah has provided you. There's a hadith concerning that. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala يُحِبُّ أَن تُؤْتَى رُخَصُهُ كَمَا يَكْرَهُ أَن تُؤْتَى مَعْصِيَتُهُ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves that a person should take the licenses and the facilitation and the ease just like Allah dislikes that a person should fall into sin. So taking this ease and facilitation is something which is permissible and it is something which is good and liked and preferable to do in order to remove the harm, or to remove the difficulty rather, and to remove the burden of having to remove the socks every time, and then wash the feet, and then replace them, then it is permissible to take the ease, and to simply wipe over them. And this issue of wiping over the socks, uh, it is from that ease and facilitation within the religion, as Allah stated, وَمَا جَعَلَ عَلَيْكُمْ فِي الدِّينِ مِنْ حَرَجٍ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not placed upon you difficulty within the religion, and this issue of wiping over the socks is something which is established and proven in the Quran, in the uh, Sunnah, mutawatira. Mutawatira meaning that it's narrated by many companions. It is narrated by many, multiple companions, this hadith of wiping over the socks. And also by the consensus. You have the statement of Imam Ahmad, he says, لَيْسَ فِي نَفْسِي مِنَ الْمَسْحِ عَلَى الْخُفَّيْنِ شَيْءٍ Al-Imam Ahmadi says that I don't have any issue with the wiping over the socks. He says, I don't find any problem within myself on the issue of wiping over the socks. He says, there's no issue with that, there's no problem with that. Fihi arba'una hadithan an Rasulullah He says, there are 40 hadith, 40 hadith from the Prophet explaining the issue of wiping over the socks. So Al-Imam Ahmadi says, I don't have any problem with this. Wiping over the socks, it's authentic, it's proven. Also, the statement of Al-Hasan al-Basri, he said, رَوَى الْمَسْحُ عَلَى الْخُفَّيْنِ سَبْعُونَ مِنْ أَصْحَابِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ Al-Hasan al-Basri said there were 70, 70 from the companions of the Prophet وسلم, who narrated the issue of wiping over the socks. 70 of the companions. Similarly, Abdullah ibn al-Mubarak, he said, لَيْسَ بَيْنَ صَحَابَةِ خِلَافِ فِي الْمَسْحِ عَلَى الْخُفَّيْنِ Abdullah ibn al-Mubarak, he said that there is no difference of opinion between the companions whatsoever on the issue of wiping over the socks. They are united upon the permissibility of that ease and facilitation to wipe over the socks. Uh, and the Shaykh says, Shaykh Salih al-Fawzan, that actually there is a consensus of the ummah Upon this, there is a consensus of Ahlul uh, Sunnah uh, wal Jama'ah upon the issue of wiping over the socks. And nobody opposed Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah in this particular issue except some of the people of innovation and deviancy, the likes of the Shia and the Khawarij who went against Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah in this particular issue of wiping over the socks. So the likes of these innovators, these Mubtadi'ah, the Shia, the Khawarij, they said, wiping over the socks is not permissible. The reason why they said that was, they said, because in Surah Al-Ma'idah, in the ayah, it says, you must wash your feet. That you must wash your feet up until the ankles. They said, this is what it is mentioned in Surah Al-Ma'idah of the Quran. Allah says, you must wash your feet up until the ankles. So they say that this is the ruling we must stick to. The ruling in the Quran is wash your feet. And they say, as for these hadith, there are several hadith. Imam Ahmad says 40 hadith. Al-Hasan al-Basri says 70 companions narrated it. They say that all of these narrations of hadith, they came 
before the ayah in the Qur'an. They say all of these narrations of the hadith came first, then the ayah of the Qur'an came at the end. So therefore they say that the ayah of the Qur'an, it is the final command that we must stick to. They say yes, initially, originally, there were all these hadith about wiping over the socks. But right at the end, then the ayah came down saying, wash your feet. So they say, therefore, we must stick to the final commandment, which is an abrogation of all of the other hadith. The ayah, they say, abrogates all of the ahadith. Because the ayah, they say, it came at the end, after all the hadith. And the ayah says, wash your feet. So therefore, they say, we stick to the final commandment of the ayah, which says, wash your feet and not wipe. So how do we answer these mubtadi'ah, the Shia, the Khawarij, these people of innovation and deviancy, how do we answer to them? Firstly, you can say to them that actually the ayah in Surah Al-Ma'idah was not the last commandment. It is actually proven that some of the ahadith, they came after the ayah. So the ayah in Surah Al-Ma'idah was not the last commandment. They'll say to you, the ayah was the last commandment. So therefore it abrogates and takes priority over everything else that came before it. You say to them firstly, actually we have evidence that the ayah was not the last commandment. The ahadith were the last commandment. How do we know? As Shaykh Salih al-Fawzan Allah says, this particular hadith of Al-Mughirat ibn Shu'bah, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he uh, was making wudu, so he went down to remove his leather socks, but the Prophet ﷺ said, leave them, because I entered upon them, I wore them in a state of purification, so I can wipe over them. Or the meaning of the hadith, that he can wipe over them, ﷺ. So he said, leave them. That hadith occurred in the battle of Tabuk. That particular hadith, the time or the event when it occurred was at the battle of Tabuk, this particular incident, when Mughira ibn Shu'bah was going to take them off. That hadith occurred in the battle of Tabuk. And the battle of Tabuk, as it's known, is one of the final battles that the Prophet ﷺ fought. It was just a year or two before the death of the Prophet ﷺ, in the ninth or the tenth year of Hijrah. Uh, and in fact, it was the final battle of the Prophet ﷺ. So now we know that this is an evidence which proves the opposite. Because this hadith, it came about right at the end, in the battle of Tabuk. Whereas the surah al-Ma'idah, the ayah in surah al-Ma'idah, that was revealed at the time of the battle of Bani al-Mustaliq. And the battle of Bani al-Mustaliq happened before the battle of Tabuk. So the ayah that means came down first, then the hadith occurred afterwards. So that shows now that their logic that the ayah overrides the hadith is incorrect. In fact, it is the hadith that came later, and the ayah came first. So the hadith came later, and therefore uh, it is not correct to say that the ayah overrides it. The second answer that can be given is, there is another hadith. The hadith... Of Jarir ibn Abdullah al Bajari. Jarir ibn Abdullah al Bajari, radiallahu anhu, he is one of the companions who narrated the hadith about wiping over the socks. So when he narrated this hadith about wiping over the socks, some people they said to him, This hadith that you're narrating to us about the permissibility of wiping over the socks. Is this something that happened after the ayat in Surah Al-Ma'idah were revealed? Is this wiping over the socks a ruling which came down after the ayat in Surah Al-Ma'idah where it says you must wash your feet? So, Jarir ibn Abdullah al-Bajali said to them, وَهَلْ أَسْلَمْتُ إِلَّا بَعَدْ نَزُولِ الْمَائِدَةِ He said to them, and did I actually even become Muslim except after the ayat of Surah Al-Ma'idah were revealed. He said, I only became Muslim after they were revealed anyway. Which again proves that which came first, the ayat or the hadith? The ayat came first. Then he became Muslim and heard this hadith and narrated it. So the hadith came afterwards again. 
another clear proof that the ayat are not an abrogation for these ahadith. They are not something which abrogate those ahadith because these ahadith they came after the ayat. Here you have this companion Jarir ibn Abdullah who became Muslim after Al-Ma'idah was revealed. Then he heard this hadith about wiping over the socks after the ayat and he narrated it. Because the people they said to him, did you narrate this hadith or did you hear this hadith after the ayat were revealed? He said, of course. I only became Muslim after they were revealed anyway. How could I have heard it before that? So that is another evidence that those ahadith, they were not narrated first and then these ayat were revealed afterwards. But rather it's the opposite. So that breaks down the first argument of the Khawarij and the Shia where they say that the ayat, they came at the last part of Islam so they abrogate the ahadith and they override the ahadith. Incorrect. Also what can be said is that even if, let's say for the sake of the argument, that the ayat in Surah Al-Ma'idah, they did come afterwards. For the sake of the argument, let's say that was the reality. Then even then, you can still combine between the ayat and the hadith. And the rule is, that if you have evidences that maybe look like they might be contradicting, then the first thing you should try to do between those evidences is to combine them to try to match them up somehow, so that they both make sense together. If it's not possible to combine evidences and make them make sense together, then you can go to the issues of abrogation, etc. But the first thing that you do is to try to make them match. Al-Jam'a. And in this instance, even if we say that the ayat of Surah Al-Ma'idah came afterwards, you can join between them. How? Because you can say... That the ayat in Surah Al-Ma'idah that say you must wash your feet, they are referring to a person who is about to make wudu and he is not wearing anything upon his feet. Or even if he is wearing something, he didn't wear it upon a state of wudu. In which case you must... If a person comes to make wudu and he's not wearing anything upon his feet, what must he do when he gets to the feet? He must wash them. You can't wipe off them, can you? Or if a person is wearing socks... And he comes to make wudu, but when he put his socks on, he wasn't even in wudu when he put them on. So now what must he do when he's making wudu? Take him off and make the proper washing of the feet. So the ayat in the Quran are referring to that scenario. The ahadith are referring to which scenario? When a person makes wudu and then puts socks on, then afterwards he wants to come and make wudu again, now he can wipe over them. So now the ahadith are talking about the scenario of a person upon purification with socks on. He can wipe. The ayat are talking about the scenario where that, where that is not the case. A person is not wearing anything, or even if he's wearing something, he's not wearing it upon purification. So in that instance, he must wash the feet. And in that way, you can join the evidences. Some of the evidences are talking about one scenario, the other ones are talking about the other scenario. Put them together, and you get both scenarios. So now you know what you have to do. If you come to make wudu, and you're not wearing anything, or you are wearing something, but not upon purification, you know now, the evidences, the ayat, I must wash my feet. But when you come to make wudu, when you're wearing something, upon purification, then you look at the evidences, ah, I can wipe over them. That way, all the evidences come together. So in reality, again, they don't have any excuse to try to use this as an evidence, to say that you cannot wipe over their feet, and that is why the scholars, they even mention this issue of wiping over the socks in books of Aqidah. Even though it's a fiqh type of issue. They mention this issue in the books of Aqidah. Because this is something that the Khawarij and the Shia and the people of innovation, the Mubtadi'ah, they went against Ahl Sunnah wa Jama'ah upon this issue. So even in the books of Aqidah, they mention it. So you have this hadith of Al-Mughira ibn Shu'ba, one of the great companions of the Prophet ﷺ, who was from the people of Ta'if. Uh, he says, I was with the Prophet ﷺ, I was with the Prophet ﷺ on a journey, and as we know that journey was the Battle of Tabuk. And so the Prophet ﷺ began to make wudu. He says, so I stretched my hand out, I lowered my hand to remove the socks of the Prophet ﷺ, to remove the leather socks. But then, and that is because of, the, to show his respect for the Prophet ﷺ, to honor the Messenger of Allah, to remove his leather socks for him. That was permissible and good to serve and to help the Prophet ﷺ. But then the Prophet said to him, Da'huma, leave them. He commanded him to leave them. Because he said to him, Fa inni adkhaltuhuma 
tahiratain because i put them on on a state of purity i.e. i had made wudu and washed both of my feet when i put them on so i can wipe over them there's no need for you to remove them leave them i put them on i entered into them upon a state of purity so the hadith indicates what it indicates the permissibility of wiping over the socks the prophet said to him leave them don't take them off I entered them on a state of purity. So there's no need to remove them. I can wipe over them. So wiping over them is indicated by this hadith. And like we said, it is mutawatir. Multiple narrations. Some of the scholars said 40 narrations. Some of the scholars said 70 companions. Multiple narrations on the wiping over the socks. The second issue is that if somebody is going to wipe over the socks, then it must be a type of sock that actually covers the foot. It must be a sock that covers from the toes up until the ankle because that's the normal area you'd have to wash. The normal area that needs washing is the full foot up unto and including the ankles. So if you're going to wipe over your socks, then it must be some type of sock that's covering all of that area. Not wearing some type of sock which only goes up to not even below the ankles, below the ankles and all of the ankles and the heel is exposed. Then you can't wipe over that. It's not even covering the area that needs to be covered. So you must be wearing something that's covering the area in order to be able to wipe over it. Uh, uh, also, it must be something of reasonable thickness. If it was something so thin and so see-through, then again, you shouldn't wipe over that type of material. It should be some material which is of reasonable, uh, reasonable uh, fabric or texture. Leather socks, obviously, no problem. But even normal socks, you can wear them. You can wipe over them. But they must be reasonable. If there's something completely thin and see-through, and you can see your foot right through it, then that's not the type of material you should wipe over. Because then in reality, you can't say they are covering your foot. They're not really covering your foot if you can see right through and see your foot and everything. So it must be some material which is of reasonable quality. But normal socks, typically they are. So normal socks, they will cover your feet and you can't see your feet through them. So you can wipe over them. Uh, also, this hadith indicates the permissibility of aiding and helping and respecting the people of knowledge. Because Al-Mughir ibn Shu'bah, he did that with the Prophet ﷺ. However, this does not mean that a person goes into exaggeration and extremism. As some of the Sufis and some of these deviated sects they do. They begin to respect and honor their leaders to such an extent, it's almost as if they are worshipping them. That's what it almost becomes like. They Even some of them, they do, you see it. Prostrate to them. That becomes an act of shirk. They're kissing them all over and wiping them all over. Then that is beyond the bounds of what's meant here. Yes, in the sunnah here, Al-Mughir ibn Shu'bah, he was serving the Prophet ﷺ, helping him, aiding him, honoring him. That's okay. But within bounds, not to the extent you start wiping them and wiping all, trying to get blessings from them and kissing their feet and kissing their legs and kissing everywhere. This is exaggeration you see from these people. So you do everything in the middle. That's why Ahl Sunnah al-Jama'ah, they are in the middle, al-Wasatiyah. It is the deviated sects that always go to extremism. So we don't go to extremism. But you respect your elders, you respect your parents, you respect the people of knowledge, and you help them and you aid them. Also in this hadith is an evidence that it is permissible to help someone to make wudu. Because he, al-Mughir ibn Shu'bah, was going to do what? He was going to help the Prophet ﷺ make wudu. He was going to remove his socks for him so he could wash his feet. So he was going to help him even though the Prophet ﷺ said to him, there's no need in this instance because I can wipe over them. The Prophet ﷺ could wipe over them so there was no need. But initially that's what Al-Mughir ibn Shu'bah was going to do. He was going to help the Prophet ﷺ in making wudu. So the hadith indicates that it's permissible. It is permissible to help someone to make wudu. Somebody who, for example, uh, has some uh, illness... He's not able to pick up the water or open the tap or he's not able to pour the water himself. You can do that. You can help a person pour the water for him so he can wipe his body parts. Pour the water for him so he can wash his face. Pour the water on his feet so he can wipe them. If a person can't pour it himself, maybe somebody has some illness or has some type of paralysis in certain areas, they can't do certain movements, then you can help them. You can help them pour the water, etc. so that they can make that wudu. And that's in accordance to the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And cooperate upon righteousness and piety. Uh, also, 
This hadith indicates that in order for a person to be allowed to wipe over the socks, he must have put them on in a state of wudu, purity. You must have made wudu and then put your socks on. But also, imagine now somebody comes and he makes wudu. He's not wearing any socks. He comes, he makes wudu, he washes his white foot. He, he finishes everything else, wipes the head, ears, etc. Then he gets to his feet. So he washes his right foot. And then he picks up his leather sock and puts it on. Then he washes his other foot, picks the, picks the leather sock up and puts it on. Now afterwards, can he wipe or not? Why not? Correct. Correct. That is incorrect, that scenario. If a person was to wash his right foot and then put the sock on, then wash his left foot and put the sock on, then that wudu is not correct for you to wipe over your socks afterwards. Because here the Prophet says, أَدْخَلْتُهُمَا طَاهِرَتَيْنِ I put them on upon purification. And the word used in Arabic is the dual. Purification of the two of them. Both feet upon purity when I put them on. That's what the Prophet means in the hadith. Both feet were upon purity when I put the socks on. Meaning when you make wudu, you must wash the right one and wash the left one. When you finished everything, the right and the left, then you can put your socks on. But if somebody washes the right foot and puts the sock on, then washes the left foot and puts the sock on, you can't wipe upon that. That is incorrect. So you must wash both feet before you can put the socks on to be able to wipe over them. What about the next narration? The next narration... Uh, it states in this narration that Al-Mughira, he saw the Prophet ﷺ that he saw the Prophet ﷺ wiping over the top and the bottom. There's a hadith here where he says that he saw the Prophet wiping over the top and also over the bottom or under the bottom. So what do we do with this narration? Are we supposed to wipe over the top and the bottom? The reality is this hadith, it is weak. This hadith, it is weak. It is weak. Because like we spoke about the chain of narration before, you have people narrating from each other. In this hadith, one of the individuals who was a narrator in this hadith was weak. He was a weak narrator. He was not uh, uh, accurate in his narrations. And as a consequence, this particular hadith uh, is considered to be weak. So that hadith is not authentic. On top of the fact that there is actually an authentic hadith which goes against it and proves that this hadith is not authentic. And that is the hadith of Ali ibn Abi Talib. The hadith of Ali ibn Abi Talib which Al-Hafid ibn Hajar mentions next. He says, لَوْ كَانَ الدِّينُ بِالرَّأِي لَكَانَ أَسْفَلُ الْخُفِّ أَوْلَى بِالْمَسْحِ مِنَ عَلَاهُ وَقَدْ رَأَيْتُ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم يَمْسَحُ عَلَى ظَاهِرِ خُفَّيْ أَخْرَجَهُ بِدَوْدُ بِإِسْنَانِ he says, if the religion was based upon intellect and logic, then wiping over the or under the bottom of the sock would be more befitting and give a more priority than wiping over the top. Quite clearly, because your logic and your intellect will tell you that when you walk, it's the bottom side of the sock that's going to pick up the dirt and the dust. So your logic will tell you that if I'm going to wipe, I should wipe over the bottom side, make the bottom side clean, get rid of the dust and the dirt, but the reality is that this religion is not based upon logic and your intelligence. doesn't matter what your intelligence tells you. It's about what the Qur'an and the Sunnah tells you to do. So here, even if your logic tells you the bottom side is dirty, it doesn't matter. The Sunnah tells you, wipe over the top. And that's why Ali ibn Abi Talib says, if our religion was based upon intellect, if our religion was based upon logic, then wiping over the bottom would have been given priority. But the reality is our religion is not based upon intellect and not based upon logic. And therefore you stick to what it tells you to do and that is to wipe over the top and not the bottom. Uh, and then he says, وَقَدْ رَأَيْتُ يَمْسَحُ عَلَى ظَاهِرِ Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu says, And indeed I saw the Prophet ﷺ wiping over the top of his socks, over the top of the leather socks. So therefore the religion is not based upon intellect, it is based upon the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. That's why you have the narration of uh, concerning the black stone, where Umar al-Khattab says that, I know you are a stone. What did he say? I know you are a stone and I'm only kissing you because I saw the Prophet ﷺ kissing you. He said, I know you are a stone. 
إِنِّي لَا أَعْلَمُ أَنَّكَ حَجَرٌ لَا تَضُرُ وَلَا تَنْفَعُ He said, I know you're just a stone. You can't harm me, you can't bring me any good or benefit, you're just a stone, I know that. But the only reason I'm going to kiss you is because I saw the Prophet I'm kissing you. And I know this is sunnah to do it. That's the act of the following of the religion. You stick to what the Qur'an, the sunnah tells you to do. Irrelevant of your logic and your intellect. So that's what we've been taught to do and that's how we do it. Uh, so the benefits from this particular hadith indicate, therefore, that the wiping, when you wipe over, occurs upon the top side. That occurs upon the top side. The hadith of Al-Mughira ibn Shu'ba, it didn't actually explain where you wipe. In that hadith, it just said that he was about to take them off and the Prophet said, leave them, because I entered them upon purity. And that was it. There was no mention of how the Prophet actually wiped over them, sallallahu but this hadith now explains it. It tells you that the wiping occurs over the top side. And also one of the benefits to be taken from this hadith is, as we mentioned, that your religion is based upon the evidences. Your religion is based upon the evidences. Tawqifi. Worship is only to be done in accordance to the evidence that you find. Not in accordance to what you think to be good or logical or intellectual. The next hadith... حديث of Safwan ibn Asal رضي الله عنه قال كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يأمرنا إذا كنا صفرا أن لا ننزع خفافنا ثلاثة أيام ولياليهن إلا من جنابة ولكن من غائط وبول ونوم أخرج النسائي وترمذي ولفظ له وابن خزيمة وصححاه حديث of Safwan ibn Asal um, he says that we were with the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم journeying and when we used to be journeying with the Prophet ﷺ, he used to command us, i.e. the Prophet ﷺ used to command us when we were journeying, that we do not need to remove our leather socks for three days and nights, except from Janaba, the major impurity. But as for ghait, using the toilet, for stool or feces, or bowl, wabawl, for urine, wanom, and even if you fall asleep, from those reasons... You don't have to take your leather socks off. You can continue to wipe over them. If you are journeying. Uh, so this now indicates. When they were journeying, the Prophet ﷺ told them, you don't have to take your leather socks off when you're making wudu for three days and three nights. If you're on a journey. If you're on a journey, you make wudu, and uh, wash your feet and put the leather socks on and you're upon your journey, then for three days and three nights within your journey, you don't have to remove your leather socks or your other types of socks. You can continue wiping. Except illa min janaba. Except from the major impurity. The, the, uh, the relations between the man and the wife. That type of impurity. The release of certain liquids. When that occurs, the major impurity occurs... Then in that instance, it is impermissible to make ghusl and then wipe over the leather socks. Impermissible. Then you must remove the leather socks and make the full ghusl in that instance. Then you must remove them and make the full ghusl. However, from the minor impurity, this is what we spoke about at the beginning of Bulugh Ramaram, the major impurities, the minor impurities. Minor impurity like going to the toilet for stool or feces or urine, or if a person falls asleep, falling asleep breaks your wudu, typically. It breaks your wudu, but, and going to the toilet breaks your wudu. However, those small types of impurities or going to sleep, even though it breaks your wudu, when you refresh your wudu, you don't have to remove your socks. You can just wipe over them. A person goes to the toilet, he can come out and make wudu afterwards and wipe over his socks. A person falls asleep, he wakes up, he wants to make wudu, he can make wudu and just wipe over his socks. That's permissible. So within those small types of impurities, it is not an obligation to have to remove the socks and wipe and wash the feet. The small impurities, you can still wipe them. Person uses the toilet, you can come out and make wudu and wipe on the socks. You don't have to remove them. Person falls asleep, get up, make wudu and wipe over the socks. You don't have to remove them. But the major impurity, the intercourse type of impurity, the release of liquids impurity, the major impurity then an individual must remove his socks and make the full ghusl. Uh, so what do we benefit from this? We benefit that if a person is traveling, it is permissible for him to wipe off the socks too. 
In case somebody thinks that maybe this ruling is only if you're at home, if you're traveling, it doesn't count. No, it counts. person is traveling, he is allowed to wipe over the socks. It also tells you how long a traveler is allowed to wipe over his socks. And that is three days and three nights. For three days and three nights, a traveler is allowed to continue to wipe over his socks before having to remove them and wash his feet. Um... The issue also is three days and three nights. When does that time start? When does your time start for three days and three nights? So let's say for example now somebody goes and makes wudu. He's not wearing anything. He goes and makes wudu and he washes his feet because he's not wearing any socks or anything. After that, he puts his leather socks on. That's for example at Fajr time. These days now let's say three o'clock in the morning. A person at 3 o'clock in the morning gets up, makes full wudu, washes his feet. It's a bit cold, so he puts his socks on. 3 o'clock in the morning. He's a traveler. Let's imagine he's a traveler in accordance to this hadith. So now, does his time start at 3 o'clock now? 3 o'clock in the morning next day, 3 o'clock in the morning the day after that. 3 o'clock in the morning the day after that, that's it, stops now. Correct? Or, there's another possibility. 3 o'clock in the morning he gets up. He makes wudu, washes his feet and puts his socks on. Then he prays fajr and he stays up, doesn't go to sleep again. Stays up and continues upon that wudu. And at 8 o'clock in the morning, his wudu breaks. He releases wind or he goes to the toilet. His wudu breaks at 8 o'clock in the morning. For example, he goes to the toilet. 8 o'clock in the morning. He makes wudu and he wipes over his socks. Does the time start from there? When he first wiped over the socks? Or does the time start from when he initially made the wudu and put the socks on? When does it start? When he initially made the wudu and washed his put the socks on in the morning? Or five hours later, at eight o'clock in the morning, when he broke his wudu and then just went and wiped over his socks when he repeated the wudu, does his time start from there? Which of the two does his time start from? The first one. Everybody agreed, huh? No, the prayer prayer is not. Not really. The prayer isn't really linked to it. It's the times. So, is it at three o'clock when he first made the wudu, washed his feet, and put the socks on, or is it at eight o'clock when his wudu broke and then he first wiped his first wiping? The correct opinion from the majority of the scholars, the rajah, is at eight o'clock in the morning. When he first wiped over them. When he first wipes over them, now his time starts. You have 72 hours now. Three days and three nights. From the first time that he actually uses that facilitation and ease of wiping over them. Up until 8 o'clock, he hasn't actually used the, the facilitation yet. He hasn't had to make wudu yet. He's wearing the socks, he could take them off, put them on, whatever. He hasn't actually used the ease yet. It's at 8 o'clock when his wudu breaks that he now must... Now he wants to use that ease and facilitation, so he wipes over them. That's when he's used that ease and facilitation now at 8 o'clock in the morning. So from there, his time starts now, 72 hours. Uh, according to the Rajah, there's difference of opinion, but the Rajah, the Shaykh says, it starts from the time when you first wipe. The first time when your wudu breaks and you wipe over them from that first time, that's when your time starts. And he's going to, uh, he's going to discuss it in more detail as well coming up, because now we're going to see, this is for the traveler, three days and three nights. What if you're not traveling, you're, you're at home. And what's your time period for that? That's what we come to now in the next section. وعن علي بن أبي طالب رضي الله عنه قال جعل النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ثلاثة أيام ولياليهن للمصافر ويوم وليلة للمقيم يعني في المسح على الخفين أخرجه مسلم. علي بن أبي طالب رضي الله عنه says that the Prophet ﷺ he decreed three days and three nights for the traveler and one day and one night for the somebody for the person who is resident. If you're at home, you're not traveling anywhere. Then you have 24 hours only. So in that same scenario, if you got up at 3 o'clock in the morning, made wudu, put your socks on, then 8 o'clock your wudu breaks, then till 8 o'clock the following morning, you can carry on wiping. 24 hours. Um, <coughs> Al-Muqeem, is a person who is not traveling. Musafir 
Here the Shaykh briefly discusses the issue of what a musafir is. How do you consider yourself to be a traveler or not? Uh, he mentions some of the different opinions about when somebody can be considered a traveler. There are different opinions that the scholars mention. Some of them are 80 kilometers. There's one opinion that says 80 kilometers and you're a traveler. That's one opinion. Because there's narrations about marahil. Uh, that's what's mentioned. And each marhala is 40 kilometers roughly. And two marhalas is what's mentioned. And therefore equivalent to our numbers now, that's approximately 80 kilometers. That's where this opinion comes from. Uh, that's one opinion that the Sheikh mentions, 80 kilometers. Other opinions that the scholars have mentioned, uh, one of them is the opinion of some of the scholars, which is that the traveling, it goes back to the traditions of the people, the norms of the people. So in your society, what the people consider to be a journey within their norms, then that is a journey. And what they do not consider to be a journey within their norm is not a journey. So for example, if you live here now in this city, and for the people, it's a casual drive down the road to go to Manchester and come back. And nobody considers that to be of any difficulty. Nobody considers that they have to pack their lunches and get their crisps and their waters and check the oil in their car and the water to go to Manchester and back. Or, would, or do people do that? That you have to check the oil and the water and the tire pressure going to Manchester. So this is what they talk about, the traditions of the people. The traditions of the people will tell you what's a journey. That's one opinion of the scholars. So if, the, for example, now London, typically speaking for most people from this region of the north of the UK, to go to London, most people in their norm would say that's a journey, of course. Check the tire pressure, check your oil, get your packed lunches, get, the, get your mobile charged up. That's a journey. Those kinds of signs indicate to you now you are going on a journey. These are the kinds of signs that indicate it's a journey. So that is the traditions of the people, and that's what some scholars say. That the norms of the people, the traditions of the people, that's what dictates what a journey is. So if all of the people, their norm is, like going around the corner to Manchester, that's nothing, it's not a journey, you can just catch a bus, it takes 10 minutes. Then okay, that's not a journey, and you should therefore, upon that opinion, not combine, etc. when you go to neighboring areas 10-15 miles away, for example. But if it was the tradition of the people, oh, Manchester, subhanAllah, Manchester, you have to pack your lunches and make sure your mobile is charged up and make sure you've got the spare tire in the car. Make sure you tell your family where you're going and have the emergency numbers. If those are the traditions of the people, خلاص, then you combine when you go there. That's one opinion of the scholars. The traditions of the people dictate what a journey is. But other, uh, other narrations of the sunnah, they indicate these types of things about the marahil, the 80 kilometers, etc., some opinions they say, if you leave the buildings of your city, you're a traveler. So if you leave the buildings, the outskirts of Bolton, outside of that you're a traveler. So there are all these different types of opinions about what a traveler is. And that's a really another issue which maybe we'll come to in more detail in the issue of the prayer. When you're allowed to shorten the prayers, etc. and combine. Um, so this hadith indicates that again, it's permissible to wipe off the socks obviously. And it now tells you that a person who is resident, the time period they have, and that is one day and one night. A person who is resident has 24 hours. After 24 hours, you can't wipe. Now you have to remove it and make full wudu. You have to wash the feet. Only up to 24 hours, you can continue wiping. So if a person, for example, the example that we gave, 8 o'clock in the morning, his wudu breaks, and he wipes over his socks. 8 o'clock in the morning. 8 o'clock in the evening, 12 hours go by. 11 o'clock at night, that's 15 hours now. Isha time. Can you wipe over it or not? You can. Another 4 hours go by, 3 o'clock in the morning, Fajr time. Can you wipe over it or not? Hmm. Then carries on to Dhuhr. Can you wipe over it or not? Now he can't. Now he's gone past the 8 o'clock mark. Now he's going to have to wash his feet. That's the 24 hours for the one who is resident. Remember this issue was a rukhsa. Rukhsa meaning that it is an ease and a facilitation given by Allah for the people. 
Who has more difficulty? Who needs the ease and the facilitation more? Somebody who's relaxing at home or somebody who's out on a journey? Huh? Somebody out on a journey. When you're out on a journey, it's more difficult. That's why the person who's traveling is given the ease for three days and three nights. And the person who's relaxing at home, just one day and one night. Because the difficulty is more upon somebody who's traveling. Who's left his home, he's left his family, he's outside somewhere. The, 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 the difficulties of the journey, etc. So for that person, he requires the ease more than a person who's resident. So for that individual, three days and three nights has been prescribed. And as for the individual who is resident, then one day and one night. Uh, after that, you have the hadith of Thawban. Hadith Thawban. حديث الثوبان حديث الثوبان رضي الله عنه قال بعث رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم صرية فأمرهم أن يمسحوا على العصائب يعني العمائم والتساخين يعني الخفاف رواه أحمد وأبو داود وصححه الحاكم In this narration of Thawban رضي الله عنه he says that the Prophet ﷺ he sent out a battalion you have an army and then you have a battalion a small section of that army he sent out this small section of the army and he commanded them to wipe over the ama'im, the turbans. We already spoke about that. If you're wearing a turban all wrapped up properly, you can wipe over the top of it. So here the Prophet ﷺ told them, you can do that. Wipe over the top of the turbans. What tasakhin? Tasakhin are the khifaf, the leather socks. So this is a narration also that indicates the permissibility of wiping over the socks. In this uh, the Prophet ﷺ says, Thawban radiallahu says that the Prophet sent out a battalion of the army. And this is what the Prophet used to do. At some times he would send out a leader and a small battalion. And the army went etc. So on this one occasion, the Prophet sent out this particular battalion. And he commanded them to wipe over the tops of the uh, turbans. And also to wipe over the socks. Uh, the Shaykh says now here, he explains, Tasakhin. The word used in the hadith is Tasakhin. Tasakhin, they are the khifaf, the khuf. And the khuf is something which you wear over your feet, which is made from leather. That's typically what a khuf is described as. O mayakumu maqamaha. Something, mayakumu maqamuha, something which takes its place. It doesn't have to be a leather sock. Anything that takes the place of the leather sock, mimma yatasattaru, or mimma yasturu rijlain, something which covers up the feet, wa yushaddu alihima, and it is wrapped around the feet, bihaith yahtaju naz'a, naz'uhu ila halli, ila hallin, wa ila naqdin, fatahsulu bithalik al mashaqqa. So if a person is wearing something over his feet, which covers the feet, and it requires effort to have to remove it off and to get rid of it, then. Even if it's not a leather sock, anything else which takes that place, like we said, something reasonable that covers it, then that can also be wiped over. So this hadith, where the battalion was sent out, it's just like the other hadith. It indicates the permissibility of wiping over the socks. As it also indicates the permissibility of wiping over the turbans that are tightly wrapped around, as we already mentioned before that. Then you have after that the hadith of Umar. رضي الله عنه موقوفا عن أنس مرفوعا عمر بن الخطاب he narrates the hadith himself and then Anas ibn Malik narrates it from the Prophet ﷺ إذا توضأ أحدكم فلبس خفيه فليمسح عليهما وليصلي فيهما ولا يخلعهما إن شاء إلا من جنابه أخرج درقتني والحاكم صححها in this hadith the Prophet ﷺ says that if one of you makes wudu and then after that he puts his leather socks on or anything else which takes the place of leather socks. فَلْيَمْسَحْ عَلِيهِمَا Then you can wipe over them and you can pray in them. And you don't have to remove them except from the major impurity. So it's the same as the previous narrations. You make wudu, you wash your feet, you can put the socks on and then you don't have to remove them. You can put them on, you can wipe over them, you can pray in them as long as the major impurity does not occur. If the major impurity occurs, then you must remove them. So this hadith is narrated by Umar Mawqufan. Mawqufan means it is the statement of Umar ibn Khattab himself. However, Marfu' means it is the statement of the Prophet So it's narrated from Anas radiallahu anhu, Marfu'an, i.e. the statement of the Prophet 
So again, the hadith indicates clearly that if you are upon purity, you've washed both of your feet, you've made the full wudu, then you can uh, wear the socks on top of that, and you can wipe over them, and you can pray in them. The hadith says, وَلْيُ صَلِّ فِيهِمَا And you can pray. Once you've wiped over them, you've got wudu, you can go and pray. And you don't have to remove them if you don't wish to do so, except from the major impurity. And that's again something that we mentioned in the previous narration also. Um, so the hadith indicates that the minor impurities the minor impurities you can continue to wipe over the sock breaking of wind going to the toilet sleeping you continue to wipe over the socks but it's the major impurity that you must remove the socks and make the full wudu with then the final narration, or close to the final narration, second to last, is the narration of Abi Bakra, radiallahu anhu, ani nabiya sallam, annahu rakhasa lil musafiri thalathata ayyamin waliyali awunna, walil muqimi yawman walayla, idha tatahara, falabisa khufayhi, an yamsaha alayhima. Akhraja darakutni wa sahaha ibn Khuzayma. In this hadith, similar to what we mentioned again, that Abu Bakra, radiallahu anhu, says the Prophet said, he made it an ease or a license or a permission for the traveler to wipe over the socks for three days and three nights. And for the resident to wipe for a day and a night. If he was upon purification and then he wore the socks, then he can wipe over them. If he was upon purification, he made the wudu, he washed his feet, then he can wipe over the socks and he doesn't have to remove them. This particular hadith now, uh, the Shaykh says, لذلك أورد المصنف حديث أبي بكر بعد هذا الحديث من أجل أن يحمل إطلاق هذا على تقييد هذا وهذه طريقة أهل العلم أنهم يعملون بالحديث كلها فيردون بعضها إلى بعض لأنها كلها من كلام النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فلا يأخذون بعضها بعضها ويتركون البعض الآخر فهذه الطريقة الأخيرة طريقة أهل الزير هي there are two hadith you have the hadith of Umar and Anas, where it says that you can wipe over them and you don't have to remove them until it's the major impurity. This hadith says, as long as you are upon purity, then you can wipe over them. So now, these two are joined together. Here it says, فَدَلَّ هَذَا الْحَدِيثَ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ الْمَسْحَ إِنَّمَا يَكُونُ فِي الْحَدِثِ الْأَصْغَرِ كَمَا دَلَّ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ الْمَسْحَ عَلَىٰ الْخُفَيْنِ لَيْسَ وَاجِبًا it's not obligatory to wipe over the socks. That's an issue too. If you're wiping over the socks, that's a choice. And it's better to do so. To take the license and the permission and the facilitation that Allah has given you. But it's not obligatory to do so. فَلَوْ أَنَّهُ قَالْ أَنَا لَا أُرِيدُ الْمَسْحُ أُرِيدُ أَنَا أَخْلَعَ وَأَغْسِلَ رَجْلَيْنِ فَلَهُ ذَلِكَ So if a person says, I don't want to wipe over them. For whatever reason, I want to remove them. I want to wash the feet. Then he's allowed to do that. As long as he does believe that it is actually permissible to wipe over the socks. If you get someone who says, I don't believe it to be permissible, then he's fallen into the deviancy of the Khawarij and the Shia. If you know it's permissible for whatever reason, that you want to take the socks off and wash your feet, for whatever reason that might be. But you know it is permissible to wipe over them. Then in that instant, there's no problem in that. But the one who rejects that, then it's an innovation. He's like the Mubtadi'ah of the Khawarij and the Rafi, that was the Shaykh mentions. كما أن هذا الحديث ظاهره إطلاق المدة دون تحديد وقت لانتهائها ولا ينزعهما إن شاء إلا من جنابه. The hadith of Umar indicates that a person can continue to wipe over his socks for as long as he wants. The hadith says ولا يخلعهما إن شاء إلا من جنابه. He doesn't have to take them off at all except from major impurity. What if the major impurity doesn't happen for a week, for two weeks, for three weeks? Can he continue wearing the socks? No, because we just said, the traveler three days, the person who's resident one day. So these two hadith, they make sense together. Because now somebody might come along and just take this hadith by itself. And say, look, the Prophet said, don't take them off unless you have the major impurity. There's no mentioning of the three days or the one day in this hadith. And that's what the people of misguidance, they do. They take narrations from the sunnah independently one at a time. They select one from here, they select one from there. And that way they misguide the people. What if now somebody came and they showed somebody just this hadith? This hadith says, Wala yakhla'huma, don't take them off until the major impurity happens. So according to this hadith, it seems to indicate 
If it's a month up until the major impurity occurs, keep them on and keep wiping them. If a person doesn't know about the other hadith, he's not going to know. Actually, it's only 24 hours. And actually, it's only 72 hours for the traveler. That's why the Shaykh says, the people of Ahl-Sunnah, Ahl-Sunnah wal Jama'ah, they combine all the evidences together. Not like the people of deviance and innovation who take an ayah here or a hadith here or one statement of the scholar here, one statement of the scholar there and they build their manhaj upon it. They build their methodology upon it. Um, the final narration, or, or rather the narration of Abu Bakr, in fact says the Prophet Rakhasa. Rakhasa meaning the Prophet made it a license. The original ruling is that you should wash the feet. But the license and the permission and the ease and the facilitation which has been given is that you are allowed to wipe over them. And that is, like we said, the narration, the ayah in the Qur'an, وَمَا جَعَلَ عَلَيْكُمْ فِي الدِّينِ مِنْ حَرَجٍ And Allah has not made any difficulty upon you in the religion. Um, so we see that there's a difference between the one who is resident and the one who is traveling. And then the final narration, narration of Abu Ammara, in the narration of Abu Ammara, or Abu uh, Ubay ibn Ammara, the narration of Ubay ibn Ammara, radiallahu anhu, annahu qal, Ya Rasulullah, amsahu ala khufayn, qala na'am, qala yawman, qala na'am, qala yawmayn, qala na'am, qala wa yawmayni, qala na'am, qala wa thalatha, qala na'am, wa ma shi'ta. Akhraja Abu Dawud wa qala laysa bil qawi. This hadith says that Ubay ibn Umar said to the Prophet ﷺ, can I wipe over the leather socks? The Prophet ﷺ said, yes. He said, for one day? The Prophet said, yes. He said, two days? The Prophet said, yes. He said, three days? The Prophet ﷺ said, yes, and whatever you wish. Whatever you wish. So what do we understand from this narration then? In this narration now, it indicates that a person can wipe over the socks. That's clear. And also the Prophet ﷺ, indicates in this hadith that it is permissible to wipe over one, two, three days and even as much as you want. Because the hadith says at the end, وَمَا شِئْتَ Whatever you wish. Shaykh says, لَوَ أَخَذْنَا بِظَاهِرَ هَذَا الْحَدِيثِ If we were to take the apparent meaning of this hadith, we would say that wiping over the socks is limitless. There's no time to it. Wipe as much as you want because the hadith says, وَمَا شِئْتَ As long as you want, whatever you want, keep wiping. That's what the hadith seems to indicate. However, how do we answer this? What if somebody comes to you with this narration and says, the Prophet said, wipe as long, uh, much as you want. How do we respond to those people who say you can wipe as much as you want? Firstly, we say that this particular hadith, it's not authentic anyway. It's weak. It's a weak hadith also. As Abu Dawood, Sunan Abi Dawood, he mentioned. So it is not at the same level as the authentic narrations that say it's 24 hours for a resident. And 72 hours for a traveler. It's not as authentic as them. It's weak. As Abu Dawood mentioned. Secondly, even if we were to say, even if we were to say that the hadith is authentic, then the scholars have another rule, which is the mutlaq and the muqayyad. Something which is absolute and something which is specific. And when you get the evidences, you're supposed to put them together. Like the general and the specific. So this hadith is general. The Prophet says, yeah, wipe. Wipe as, as you wish. General hadith, wipe as you wish, as many, whatever time period you want. But the other hadith are specific and they say, yes, you can wipe as you wish, as much as you want, but only up to 24 hours for somebody who's resident, and only up to 72 hours if you're traveling. Otherwise, yeah, carry on as much as you want, but up to those limits. So when you join the hadith together, it becomes apparent again, that yes, you can continue to wipe and wipe over the socks as much as you want, as long as you don't go beyond the top limit, which is 24 hours for a resident, 72 hours for somebody who is traveling. So that is, in brief, the issues relating to the wiping over the socks. That is the chapter of wiping over the socks. Must be either a leather sock or something which is similar to it. Something which covers the foot. It is of reasonable thickness, not something extremely faint and light. And then when a person wipes, he starts with the toes and moves upwards towards the ankle and the shin. And when you do that, beforehand you must have made wudu and washed both feet and then put the socks on. And then uh, for a resident, you can carry on doing that for 24 hours and somebody traveling for up to 72 hours. And that is something which is authentic and established from multiple narrations. 
in opposition to the people of innovation, the Khawarij and the Shia, who claim that it is not correct. Because the Surah Al-Ma'idah, the Ayat, they were not the last Ayat, the Ahadith came after that. So when you join them together, it becomes clear that somebody who's not upon purity, he has to wash the feet. And somebody who is upon purity and he put the socks on, then he can wipe over them. So that's that issue. And uh, we're going to leave that up to there. That's the end of the chapter of wiping of the socks. It's only a small chapter. The next chapter is actually the chapter of the nullifiers of the wudu. Now, up to now, we've spoken about all the things to do with wudu. We've spoken about how to make wudu, the different aspects, how to make the madmada, all those different things. We've spoken about the masha, the masha on the khufayn, on the socks. We've done that too now. The next chapter is now what breaks your wudu. Now we've learned how to make wudu. The next chapter is what are the different things that can break your wudu once you've made it.